transition from execution to strategy is a very sharp transition because if you only focus on execution to all of a sudden pivot also your way of thinking can be really hard. And so, and you don't even know what it means in, in many ways. You can like research it, but you're, like, there's so many definitions. And so even early in my career, I, when I got that feedback, it, it to me, it felt very much like um, a hit and run approach where they just threw that feedback at me and like ran away, like leaving me alone to ponder like, what, what do they mean? I was like really confused. And it was almost very isolating as, as well, right? What do you mean when you say you want me to be more strategic? Do you want me to do more user research? Do you want me to create a vision? Do you want me, do you want a deck that like lines out what my plan is? Like I felt really isolated, but then I remember coming across an article where somebody was mentioning that they got the same feedback after talking to friends and people in the industry, especially women, I heard this was something that was very common that was being said to women. And that really struck a chord with me. And I was like, why is this happening? And, and what is it about us that, that like we're being told? And Hello, and welcome to Somehow I Manage Product Teams. I'm your host, Naveen Pichandi, and I'm on a quest to have conversations with product leaders to uncover how each of them skillfully wield the art of managing people and products. I'm joined today by Shelly Kalish, Shelly built the product and design team focused on partners at Meta. And we'll talk about how she went about building this team in the episode. But prior to Meta, Shelly spent some time at American Express in a product leadership position building the consumer mobile app that had over 17 million monthly active users. Shelly recently started a four-part blog series on LinkedIn sharing her thoughts on product strategy, women in tech, called You Belong Here. We explored some of these topics in this episode and we essentially touched four key areas. First, we spoke about how Shelly built the product and design team for partners from scratch at Meta to the product strategy definition and an example of how Shelly built product at Amex prior to Meta. Three, giving feedback about how you can be strategic. Shelly got feedback during her career about how she's not strategic enough without really any guidance and what that means and what the expectation was. And this is a great section for managers to listen in. And finally, we spoke about growth. Now, contrary to the conventional wisdom, lateral growth is also career growth. Let's tune into it. For management, press five. If you're really interested, it is called Somehow I Manage. Hey, Shelly, thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, Naveen. I'm so happy to be here. That's fantastic. Can you start us off with your story and your journey to being a product leader? Yeah, absolutely. So I actually started off um, way back when, many years ago, uh, when I was in startups uh, working in Tel Aviv. I was actually in customer success, uh, working really closely with clients, listening to their feedback, helping them consult and optimize their websites. But I knew that I wanted to be more than just a gateway from managing clients and their feedback to actually actioning on their feedback. So I started at a couple of uh, startups, building a tap by where I build a brand new business, but then quickly joined American Express to build a digital first disputes product. It was massively successful, which led to my promote, promotion as a director, managing a team of both designers and product on the merchant uh, web portfolio. Shortly after that, I was actually pulled to the consumer side um, of American Express, where I managed a large portfolio of products. Um, and it's in a product management team focused on the enterprise mobile consumer app. There we had a lot of accolades, winning the JD Power, increasing our mobile channel share to make it the number one self-service way for consumers to interact with American Express. 
and about two years ago was recruited into Meta to lead and build a team and platform from scratch focused on the partner as an audience for growth, where I also led a team of product and design. I mean, and here we are today where I'm looking for my next great adventure, hopefully as a product leader as well, because I really do enjoy that aspect of product as well. Yeah, it's a pretty wide range of experience going from a consulting, I guess, organization to Amex, which is fintech a little bit. And I think you were a little consumer facing even at Amex and then moving on to Meta, which is running more like a partnerships team. The interesting part that I noticed was even at Amex and at Meta, you led product and design functions together. So, and I know at Meta, you kind of built this team from scratch. So I'd love to hear a little more about that around what are the decision frameworks that you use to kind of structure that organization? How did you go about org design for, you know, starting from nothing to building a team? Yeah. So I think my first role at Amex when I was promoted and similar to Meta, it was a very small, almost like a little startup within like larger org. So it made sense to have product and design together until we were able to prove ourselves out and have enough headcount, budget, investment to grow that out. But for specifically at Meta, when I came in, again, it was like a brand new role, a brand new kind of like unit that they just carved out to focus on this. So I think they weren't themselves sure where they wanted this to go. There wasn't even design when I first came in and I kind of was like, well, we need a couple of designers to work with us. They didn't have any headcount to be able to share. I was like, okay, let me just see if I can recruit a couple of people underneath me because you can't really do product without design working alongside and with design. And so when I came in, there wasn't really any focus or rhyme or reason to how the team was set up. There was about two people that were there just to my, me joining and I was able to recruit a few more people. And what I really tried to do was, I know, build a strategy and then align our team across those strategic initiative and goals. And so really focus the team on, okay, here's our overall strategy. Let's make sure we're all in this together, but you each have your own area of focus. And it was a pretty small and scrappy team as well. So had to make do with that. But my approach in general, when I when I think about building teams, is is really looking at three things. One is like strength based work, right? What it, what are these people really good at? What are my t- like my team? What is their strength? What like excites them and motivates them as well? Secondly, when I think of the breadth of product management, it really stress goes from strategy to execution. And there are some product people who have you know stronger strategic skills, some more focused on execution. And I think it's really important to have a blend of that in a team because especially when you're resource constrained, at any given moment, you may not be able to like be executing. And so at that like downtime for say, you want to have them build up some strategy and vision across their product. So being able to have that balance in the team where like maybe in one quarter or one sprint, someone's like really executing while someone's doing a little bit more of like the discovery and the customer interviews and then the validation. And then the other thing that I really look at is just overall cross-functional partners. You know, how many engineers do I have? How many designs? So that we're not, you know, you don't want to get to a place where you have like five engineers and six product managers, right? That doesn't make any sense. You have to make sure you're balancing out that as well. And, and I usually, when I think of like the pod model, I think the 10 to 1 ratio is really good. And what I mean by that, it's you have like, a, and like an engineering squad of like five to seven engineers usually a designer and product analytics, maybe product marketing with the latter three, sometimes shared amongst like one or or two or even three product managers, depending again on 
the scope of the work, the complexity, where they are in the product development process between strategy and execution. Sometimes it's nice to have a design, if it's a large scope, it's nice to have a design dedicated to a specific product area. I think in an ideal world, that, that was what it would look like. But you have to know how to, you know, work with with what you have. And in, in sometimes in very like constrained environments, you know, it doesn't always pan out that way. Typically in organizations, I think the pod model that, that you're talking about is kind of the ideal structure that you want, right? You, you want to have a group of product manager, designer, engineer, and, and cross-functional teams with product marketing and stuff in, in kind of one big group. That's sometimes just not always how it really pans out where you're pulling in from a common pool of resources and it it's kind of shared in some cases. The fact that you had both design and product within your own team, did that, you think, help you in a lot of your execution? Just, just out of curiosity. It helped in some capacity. I mean, when I was at Amrix on the consumer side, design, you know, reported to its own VP and the design team was shared across mobile directors. And so, Hmm. yes, like there were some times when I'd go be like, okay, I really need design. But they're like, sorry, we're working on like X, Y, Z. And we're going to be, you know, backlogged until, you know, for another month or whatever. And then you're like, oh, no. And then you're kind of dependent on them to really like conceptualize and and create mock-ups and, you know, make and help execute ultimately as well. Um, So it was nice. There is a nice thing about having design underneath you where you have the ability to direct them of like and, and prioritize for them what's you know what they should focus on and and you're all aligned on the same strategic objective and the same vision versus them being aligned to multiple strategies multiple like roadmaps for a given team so there's definitely like a benefit to it but you know I also say like it's a completely different function and while I love working with design they're, they're different than product people and you have to understand like the nuances between them the way that they work is different and, you know, learning, learning those ins and outs is it's also like a lot of additional work and scope to take on as a product leader as well. Got it. And I think you mentioned this when you were talking about sort of your rubric for how you put together your art design overall. You start obviously with the strategy and where we're going. So I want to touch upon that a little bit, which is, you know, I see product strategy more like these cookbook of recipes, right? There's a lot of literature around many, very ingredients that you can put together to make it successful, but everybody has their own style of, of cooking. Like every cook has a different flavor of yeah. how they put things together. And I'm curious how you go about sort of product strategy definition and putting that together in front of your team. Like what are the rituals that you typically go through? And in this case, it's a special sauce because you have both design and product teams together under your org. Did you do anything differently here? Yeah, so let's just start like at the high level. To me, is really like the set of choices you or your team or the company makes to achieve an objective. It's and it's like the ability to break down those choices and those objectives and those complex problems in a way that can, you know you can better understand a solution or create a solution to help you achieve your your end goal. So that to me is like you know what strategy is. And then when I think of like what my key ingredients, if like if I am the chef, okay, even though. I'm, in the real world, I actually don't like to cook. But let's say like in the product chef world, I think it's important to remember, you know, some key ingredients is one should always ladder up to the business strategy, right? And I think that's something that is often forgotten. Like a product is one aspect of the overall business. Even if it's a product-led company, there's still a sales strategy sometimes and there's a marketing strategy and then there's a world business strategy. So why is this product strategy important for the business? How is it going to help the business overall? 
The second is really like the vision, right? What are you striving for? And, and the vision should also ladder up to the business vision. And again, you should have that like connection and that thread. What are you hoping to achieve? And, and that's, you know, sometimes a little bit more ambitious and, and farther out. The goals, right? How are you going to measure success? And then lastly, like strategic objectives. How are you going to win? What are the focus? And this is like where it really where I think the meat of some of the strategy comes in is like, what is it that we're building? Why are we building it? And then the execution, which is like the how you deliver. And I think that's important to have as part of the strategy because you want to be able to break down and help your teams get as much clarity of like how we think we need to execute to be able and deliver to be able to achieve business objective or our vision and strategic goals as well. Can you maybe give us a, a little bit of an example of maybe from Amex or from Meta for maybe how you broke this down from like the top level vision, breaking it down to your business objectives to what it means for the team and how do they take this into executing? Yeah. Uh, a good example would kind of help us walk us through this, this whole sure. framework. Absolutely. So at Amex, I was actually a part of a team where we were building a brand new product, a chat product actually into the Amex mobile app. And what we saw was our competitors, Bank of America, TD had done this already. And so we were like, okay, we need to up our game. The business, you know, in terms of like the business, like goal and strategy, Amex in general is all about let's service our customer in the best way possible. And so this was a really great way of like, here's another channel to enable us to service our customers and provide the best, the world's best customer service every day, right? That was, that's like Amex's vision in many ways. And so this was very aligned to that vision. And our vision for the chat was like an always on in your pocket way to be able to access your financial information, right? Because again, in, in, in this day and age, people want to be able to have access to like, I just made a transaction. Did that go through? I made a payment. They want that easy on the go, always on access. And, and this is another way of, of achieving that. So we made sure it was very aligned to our vision. In terms of setting the goals, for us, it was, again, from a business perspective, is really about like cost and operations. And so how do we reduce costs? In Amrix's case, call volume is actually really expensive. And we had forecasted that chat is less expensive than call volume. You could have one representative handling multiple chats versus one representative handling one call at a time. So we knew from a cost savings, this was a really big opportunity. Secondly, from a mobile perspective, our goal was to continuously increase engagement, increase login frequency, and increase the mobile app as the channel of choice for our users to be able to more effectively self-service and basically help themselves, right? I'm all about leveraging, you know, products and tools to help customers help themselves. So that was our, our big focus on Magol's perspective on this product. And then when we looked at the strategic objectives, we, we kind of looked around a few different areas. One was like the technology. We need to invest in the technology, whether like natural language processing models, understanding where we want to implement those models to meet these conversations versus then like transferring it over to a actual representative, like a real person versus like bot responding. Another goal, again, was increasing more engagement with the mobile app. Can we get more people logging in and using this and to overall then be able at some point later on use it as a different channel to upsell or cross sell or get them more engaged and complete more things online through the app. And the third, as I mentioned, was third goal was cost savings. We wanted to millions of dollars in, in cost savings. I'm talking about a huge, large scale at Amex. Uh, 
for the business. And so those were our, our three main our goals. And in terms of like objectives, again, it was implementing that technology, making sure like the user experience was very much aligned and we we're meeting that goal. So we had a goal very much focused on engagement with the chat, leveraging it, completion rate. Are we, like, are, we, are we seeing that like people are able to come and get what they want? And then a third strategic objective was overall just how much more people using this to come and solve their problems and then calling in. And how do we focus on getting more people to come into, into the app as well? So those were our real main objectives. And we had about five months to implement it for a variety of reasons, but we were able to be massively successful and, and achieve most of our goals. Yeah, that's pretty phenomenal that you're able to go through all of that within five months. Out of curiosity now, your, your big North Star metric that you were trying to move was cost reduction for the most part, right? And then you had a bunch of these work streams that you spun off from there and went ahead and did some product development on that. How often do you come in and change the strategy up? Or has that North Star metric always been the same? Or does that change year over year, half yearly? Or in a sense, do you focus on different metrics to move across your business, at least in the past? Yeah. I think in, in this case, within that five months, we were very focused on delivering in that five months. So changing North Star metric would not have been a good idea, right? You derail the team and clarity you have focus. I think after that five months, you need to reassess, right? And, and part of that is reassessing the North Star metric. In this case, it would have been nice to keep the same North Star metric, but you also have to take into consideration some cross-functional stakeholders might have other ideas. So in our case, when we were so successful, when we released this in the U.S. market, we had a lot of like leadership say, like, let's scale this out. And we're like, well, well, we need to optimize. We still have more and more we want to achieve. We also saw that the data was skewing in a certain way. And I did want to like tweak some of the KPIs that would help us achieve that North Star metric. But again, the business and you know leadership had other ideas. So we had to kind of pivot. And at that point, a North Star metric changed to also think about like from a scale perspective, what are we looking at it like from adoption in different markets and things like that. So you have to be flexible and know also, you know, what's best for your team, what's best for your product, but taking into consideration like leadership and, and cross-functional partners. Got it. I want to touch upon the last part a little bit where... You're absolutely right. And then when you go through product strategy definition, you think more about, you know, your product to users and how do you define that, the right thing for the users and you move forward from there. But there is a part of it where leadership have ideas or they have expectations around how the strategy definition should look like and how do you put forth the strategy. And I think you broke break that down in the Shri is not strategic enough post. I'd love for you to break that down for us. Walk us through what that's about and kind of your, your thought process over there. Yeah. So, you know, I think the word strategy or, you know, product strategy can be really scary to some people. You know, I, I spoke about earlier that some people have higher execution chops and strategy chops. And so for those people, when you go to them and be like, okay, now go focus on the strategy, it can be really scary. And, you know, I think early in my career, I, and I think in most PMs, if you think of like the day-to-day the -day work from PM, from an IC all the way to leadership, as an IC, you are a lot more focused on the execution, right? You're learning what product management is through delivery, through building, through working with the engineering. And a lot of that strategy is like created from leadership and, and very top down. And transition from execution to strategy is a very sharp transition because if you only focus on execution, to all of a sudden pivot also your way of thinking can be really hard. And so, and you don't even know what it means in, in many ways. You can like research it, but you're, like, there's so many definitions. 
And so even early in my career, I when I got that feedback, it, it to me, it felt very much like a hit and run approach where they just threw that feedback at me and like ran away, like leaving me alone to ponder like, what, what do they mean? I was like really confused. And it was almost very isolating as as well, right? What do you mean when you say you want me to be more strategic? Do you want me to do more user research? Do you want me to create a vision? Do you want me, do you want a deck that like lines out what my plan is? Like that's like even one definition that I had when I asked for clarification, one manager had said to me, do you want me to align, like, you know, map out what our strategic goals are and how we're going to, right? There's so many different ways. Is it all together? Is it everything? I mentioned the key ingredients. Now I know that's like, you know, what makes a great strategy. But back then, you don't know those things, right? Like there's not really a cheat sheet that, that is provided to you when you start product management in many ways. And so, yeah, I felt really isolated. But then I remember coming across an article where somebody was mentioning that they got the same feedback after talking to friends and people in the industry, especially women, I heard this was something that was very common that was being said to women. And that really struck a chord with me. And I was like, why is this happening? What is it about us that, that like we're being told? And I think part of it is because, you know, women are really good at, you know, multitasking and executing and we're great, like cross-functional partners in many ways. And so it's really easy for us to focus on just like always, you know, doing, 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 delivery, delivering, meeting our goals. But if no one's telling us like, okay, take a step back and work on strategy, like we, we may not always like just focus on it. And so I, I realized that this was just like really unfair feedback that a lot of times wasn't coming with like meat behind it. Like what is it like definition and context, which I think from a manager perspective is like one of the most important things that you need to be able to provide your direct reports is context. It's like understanding it's the support. And that's what led me to create the newsletter, which I'm also actually in May leading a roundtable discussion for the Women in Product Conference about this topic. And I'm really, really looking forward to hearing from women about who got maybe similar feedback or as leaders who've given similar feedback or thought the same thing, how they went about teaching their team and helping them through like, like thinking more strategically. It's great what you're doing and even putting your thoughts out there and being completely transparent and open and vulnerable about it. That's phenomenal. So thank you for doing that. And when I think about it as, as sort of a product leader, a manager trying to lead my team, and I think, oh, wow, that's pretty weak leadership, whoever did that. And when I think to myself, I don't want to be repeating that mistake. And I want to be very conscious about kind of how I coach and train my teams. And if I want to consciously do better what are some advice that I guess you would give for product leaders listening to this? And when they think about that particular incident or, you know, it sounds like it's not isolated. It seems like it's yeah. kind of happening generally across the board, but some, some folks may not even be entirely aware that it's being targeted in, in some sense. Right. And so I'm curious kind of how you would lay it with some advice that people could take if, that they can subconsciously start to think about or almost introspect and say, I need to be doing better. And here are some things that I need to be doing. Yeah. Well, one, I, I applaud the product leader, any leader who is invested enough to take advice and understand that, you know, leadership, I always say leadership takes courage. I um, mean, it's understanding like where you need to do better for your the people that you manage, where you need to step up and, and learn, right? It's just because you're a leader doesn't necessarily mean you have all the answers that you know how to do everything the right way. So, you know, my motto is always be learning and that's for, for product leaders as well. So one, I applaud any and all leaders for being able to take the time and the commitment to learn and, and be there for their direct reports. But I, 
in terms of, okay, so you do have someone on your team who you've noticed you've struggled with the strategy aspect or not. They're not there. Um, and this could be true for strategy and like other things as well. But you just don't know like what how to go about it. One, I would suggest just giving that feedback as honestly and constructively as possible. One of my favorite books that I always recommend is called Radical Candor, which is a really well-known book. But I think it's a really great way of understanding like why feedback is so important and the way that you do it honestly, but also with empathy is is like the only way. Otherwise, the it can be, you know, misconstrued. The other and I've been in that situation where like I've given feedback and I didn't show empathy and I it was a great learning moment. And and later on I was then like, okay, every time I get feedback, you have to also seek seek to understand the other side. So I think firstly, like give that feedback and as as clearly and articulately as possible with, you know, thinking like being as empathetic. But also when you give that feedback, make sure you provide context and the rationale behind it, right? If you have examples, if you can say like, I noticed when I asked you to do X, Y, Z, or I was talking to a few cross-functional partners and this is what they said, um, and, and provide as much information because it's it's hard to get feedback. Like you're not doing X and be like, well, what do you mean I'm not doing X? Like, how do you know? Have you What have you seen? So having that context and, and the rationale behind it is is really important. And, and it makes it more tangible for an employee to also get that feedback and receive that feedback. I think the second thing, okay, let's say someone's not strategic enough. And, you know, instead of them wondering to themselves, like, what does that mean? It's up to you as a leader to define that. Like, what do you mean when you say, like, create a strategy or be more strategic? What is it? Like, do I need to increase a little bit of like my product sense? Do I, you know, do I need to do more validation and discovery work? And I think being able to provide materials and those moments can be in the form of maybe somebody else on the team created a really amazing strategy. Great. Then show that person the materials, have them buddy up and, and learn from each other. Right. There's like in an organization, even even outside of an organization, there's so many amazing people who are good at strategy and have done an amazing like job at it. Like so find that and, and give that person the opportunity to to learn, provide that that them that material. There's also amazing courses people can take, right? If if your if your company is able to invest in courses, there's like a Reforge course, there's like Gibson Biddle's like course. Melissa Perry used to have one. There, you know, there's there's not a lack of strategy courses that are are there. And then again, like just have them talk to people within the organization, without the organization, articles that they can read. And also for yourself, you know, say, okay let's work on creating the strategy. I'll do it with you, right? I'll be there with you along the way. And if you can invest that time and, and you know, so that they don't feel that it's so alone is is really important, I think is, is, is you know, a, a recipe for success. I think going with that, you, you do need to show them that you care and that you're invested, that their success is your success as, as a leader and the success of the product is also is, is intertwined with it. And so it's one thing to just say like, okay, you know, you're not strategic enough. Here are some materials, like go have fun. You know, as a leader, I hope that most leaders care about the success of their direct reports, that they, they also need to understand like why, you know, what is it that they're missing and, and, and try to have that empathy and, and curiosity when coming to them with feedback and helping them understand like how to do something better and how to be more strategic. You really need to be um, just showing that support as as well. And then I think the other really important thing is making sure you follow up with them, right? Provide that continuous constructive feedback. 
you know, monthly, if you see that they're, they're making strides, like recognize that and let them know, like, I see, I see you, I see that you're trying um, and, you know, let them know where they still have to go. It's, it's important to follow up on that feedback, not just kind of leave it out in, in, into the ether. You want to make sure that you are checking up on them, that you just didn't forget about it because the, the worst thing is like giving that feedback, leaving them to be in a calibration of performance review. You're like, well, here's the feedback I gave you. And, and in between there, there's so much space to do much. I think those are the most important things leaders can do. I, I outline a little bit of, of this in, in, in my article as well. Um, but I think one of, one of the most important things that I also recently learned about strategy creation that I often think is looked strategy shouldn't be a one-person job. And oftentimes it feels like people think it is or it should be. And I'm happy to go deeper there, but, but yeah. Yeah, I'd like to t- touch upon that real quick. But these the tips that you gave are, are pretty great in that I think when you think about product leaders, at least when I think about it visually, it's, it's you, you kind of have these two hats where you're product leader from defining your product vision strategy for what the product needs to be, the success of the product. And then you're also wearing this hat of being this coach mentor as, as your objective function is for success of your team. You want to make sure your team's growing and doing better and greater things. And most times it's not two separate functions. That is, if you do really well on the people management side, your product is eventually going to be doing better too. So it's kind of that yeah. that loop that people forget. Um, and I'm a big fan of loops too. And I, I heard you mentioned uh, Forge product strategy, which in all honesty was one of the biggest inspirations when I when I started this thing, the, the, this whole wow. podcast as well, because uh, the course is phenomenal. And I often keep reading these articles and try to find our uh, material to learn about product strategy. And, and again, one of the big inspiration for this podcast is as I talk to folks like you and, and my whole goal was to learn as I go to record these podcasts to be more strategic, I guess. I, yeah. I personally sometimes do think I'm not strategic enough. And so no, thanks for sharing that. I, really, I kind of want to just flip the the coin a bit to the other side of it, because I, I still think it's kind of a two-way street a little bit here, right? Where while, you know, product leaders can think of it this way, what are some advice that you can give for other women product leaders where they can do better in maybe managing up and also being more prepared where they took they take the first step in some way of being more strategic enough, right? That they can go do these courses and things like that. I think that's, that's really good tactical advice. But is there anything more that you think they can get started today? You know, if they're listening to this, they're like, yep, I'm done with this. I'm going to go start doing all of the tips that you share right yeah. now. Absolutely. I mean, like it's never ending, right? Like that's also like what I enjoy about product management is that there's always more to learn, especially as technology evolves, as industries change, as user behavior changes, as trends come and go. I I mean, this is another area, if I'm honest, like where I've struggled with, where it's managing up. Uh, you you want to be able to be honest with your leader, but sometimes you're also scared. You don't want to show, you know, where you may lack some, you know, some skills. And so I think hopefully, like if you have a good relationship with your manager, like start with your manager, be vulnerable, say like this, you know, in your development plan, let's talk about some ways I can be more strategic or I can improve my skills as well. I think like you mentioned, getting as much clarification as possible, understanding what the overall like business or organization strategy is. I would say start with, you know, in this instance, start with like internally and zooming in what I call zooming in, looking at the data and looking at user and, and business strategy and other product strategies. 
that people in your org have done. So it's not only like up to the leader to just like send you the material, like go be proactive and look it up. Many companies these days have internal forums and, and things that are open to, to every employee or ask other product leaders that you admire. Hey, can you like tell me a little bit of like how you put that strategy together? What were some of the inputs that you did? So yes, like definitely being proactive and, and zooming in. And then I would say the zooming out part, getting acquainted with the market, like in your company, who are the biggest competitors and doing a little bit of like your own market research, which again is just very much part of, of the product function. Understanding like industry trends and user trends. I know it's really hard. And I'm actually writing an article about this. It's really hard to carve out space to ingest information in a day-to-day as a product person. You're so busy executing. You're so busy defining the strategy for your own product that reading more articles, listening to more podcasts, sure, you learn so much and it's inspirational, but even carving out that an hour, that half an hour in your day is is like mind-blowing, right? Sometimes you can do it early in the morning when you wake up. Sometimes it's before bed. Sometimes it's at a lunch break, but I think carving out that time, and this is like a, like this is like the system that worked for me is is important and and try to somehow put it in where it's like find a a subscription like, like article that you really like that you think you can learn from, listen to a podcast as you're making breakfast or on a commute of if you still commute in this in this day and age, you know, just find like a space in your day where you are also investing in in your knowledge and and resources. And so that's like the zooming out part of it. And then I think the other thing is, is again, going back to like strategy is not a one person job. So also talking like in your one-on-ones or in your meetings with like stakeholders and cross-functional partners, talking them to them and, under- and trying to understand what do you see as the biggest pain points of our product, right? It's not only getting inputs from our customers, but it's also getting input from cross-functional partners and understanding how their goals may ladder up to a product strategy at some point and and vice versa. So you can learn a lot from just, you know, a marketing partner or a data science partner or, you know, an engineering partner when when you talk to them about like, you know, the product overall and 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 their role in it and and what they they hope to to see for for their function and their goals as well. So those are my and then, you know, that's all about like I think Shreyas Doshi talks about like optics, right? And that's like the managing across piece of it. As, as well. And where I kind of say like, it's just not a one person job, you should, you know, be make it as collaborative as possible. And in your experience, when you reach out to these cross functional folks, is it, it, the first step is typically the hardest, but is, is it just set up a one on one with them, go jump in a meeting and talk to them? Do you think that's that's the easiest way to go through that? Do you think? Yeah, I mean, people love to talk about their their work and you know what they're about and and they want to be able to share their goals because if you think you can help them achieve that like why not and i would say like when you reach out to them i'd love to know about like what you're working on your goals how it maybe like aligns to our the product and the product strategy and how i can maybe help you achieve your goals through what we're working on right so like i think even saying that i would be hard pressed to find someone who wouldn't be open to to chatting with you about about that and how how you can help them that's good advice. Let's jump into, this is not a one-person job. I'd love to hear more. Yeah, so this kind of came from from the whole, she's just not strategic enough feedback in, in my research. And something I also realized when I ended up creating like successful strategies, me, what I noticed, like a common thread, they were the most successful when I wasn't just going about it alone, right? When I when I was talking to my cross-functional partners, when I was engaging with my team, when I was trying to understand 
other how other people are viewing the strategy as well. And then I also understood that many people don't do it this way, that many people want to either, either for reasons of like, you know, fear of like, I want to get credit for creating the strategy. I want to be the owner of this strategy, right? There's like maybe some ownership or control stuff or for fear of like, well, I was being held accountable. It's up to me, right? Like an expectation from your manager or just not knowing that like strategy is not a, you know, a one person job, that it's, it's, it should be, you should be getting inputs from your stakeholders. And so this was like a, a, a theme that I had noticed. And in the series of my newsletter, it was the one that I was like the most excited about because I really do think people don't know that like, you know, it's not just you sitting in a room creating, you know, decks or documents or thinking with yourself. Like it's helpful to think out loud. It's helpful to, you know, in the most tactical way, like create a Google doc or a notion or a coda whatever tool you use, Miro, like, you know, I'm open to all, but create something and invite people to it. And it could, you know, at the very, very start of it, it could start with just like words of like, you know, a, a word cloud of things that came to your mind when you think about the product. And from there, you can refine it a little bit more and you can create the outline and the rough draft and get people to add to it asynchronously or, you know, create like a brainstorming or a session where you all work together, like whatever approach. I think it's super important to the most important people is to include your design and engineering partners, but also product marketing and analytics, because you want it to be not only as cohesive and aligned as possible, but you want it to represent like all aspects of the product, right? You need product marketing to help you with the go-to-market aspect of it. You need analytics because you need data, an important input to the strategy and engineering and design to, to understand like conceptually, like how feasible is it? like from a user experience is just something that will like look good and, and go with the, the rest of our our product and, and business and so again I think I've always been someone who's been super collaborative and and I think trying to approach the stress like alone was like a recipe for disaster for me when I was like sitting and being like okay what do I do now like it just wasn't and the minute I started involving my cross-functional partners and, and people who I also call friends I made it actually enjoyable for me. It was it was fun to like brainstorm with them to think about what are we trying to achieve collectively? And then I think it, what it more importantly does that when you finish that strategy and you try to evangelize it, one, like influencing is so much easier because then those people go to their respective leaders and say, this is what I've been working on. And so you have, it's easier to get buy-in from, from that leader to then say like, yes, let's work on it. Two, getting like people excited about it is already there because they've all been the ones helping you drive the strategy. And so they're excited to work on a bit on it. So the motivation is there, the cohesiveness and, and the way to like actually deliver on it makes it much better from the get go versus going to engineering and being like, okay, here's the strategy. This is the roadmap. Go execute, right? Like I don't know many engineers who want to do it that way, right? They want to be as involved as like creating the, the, defining the problem statements and the how and, and what we're working on. And, and the same goes for like all the other functions, right? And just as I, as a product person, wouldn't want a marketing person to come to me and be like, here's what you need to do next, right? It's Nobody likes to be told what to do. Everybody wants to be involved in from the get-go. And it just builds trust and and psychological safety in, in, in team environments as well. Yeah, that's a good point on the collaborative aspect. Like, don't play the single-player game. Play it like a multiplayer game where if everybody chips in, shares a little bit, 
to shape that whole strategy. Now they have, you know, a vested interest in making that successful in some way, right? Because there's like a little bit of, hey, they're my involvement in this whole thing. Quick question there around when you're starting off, when you're putting together, you know, pulling these people into a meeting. I sometimes struggle with, do I have enough context in there for them to come in and contribute? Or do I go in the blank paper and they're like so confused? Where do you typically start? Like, how do you start, you know, putting these meetings together where you're sharing enough to a point where you're like, you got them interested, now they're about to share. And how do you handle that balance a little bit? Yeah, I think that really depends on like where you are. Like, are you new to the organization? Like, have you worked together with this, these people before on something? Like, what what context do they already have? If you're like, you know, brand new or or if this is like a brand new thing that you just, an idea you just thought about or something that you would just maybe assign to do, I, I think it's helpful either through a voiceover just saying like, okay, you know, we need to think about like what's next for our product, like the direction of it. And so want us all to get together to like, you know, collaborate on like, defining what's next and here's the framework I'm going to use or here's my approach that I'm going to do or we're going to do or if anyone has any other ideas of how they want to go about it like I'm open to it so it could be easy as just like one sentence of like this is the purpose right this is the the goal of why we're here like it's we all want to we're all invested in this product well part of this product's success let's figure out like how do we think about what's next for it and 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 get to you know the the strategic areas that we want to focus on so it could be in an email, it could be a voiceover, it could be in like the document. I'm very much a person like, you know, adapt to like whatever has worked in the past or whatever channels and 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 what the team is used to. Slack mm-hmm. maybe in Slack channels, but it doesn't have to be like overly uh, descriptive and, and prescriptive. Like it just one sentence of like, here's why. And I think people will understand that and be excited by, by that a lot. Got it. Yeah. So I think keeping it a little bit open-ended kind of helps with the conversation as well. So that's that's definitely good advice. I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about one more topic that you write about, which is around growth, personal growth. And you argue lateral growth is also career growth. I'd love yes. to learn more. Yeah, so I'm actually super excited. I'm going to be uh, speaking during a lightning talk at the Product Collective Industry Conference on May 4th about this exact topic, if you're able to join and you can like hear my 10 minute spiel about it but I'll give you the one minute version of it now which to me like the highlight is don't always be chasing the titles or promotions for what you think is career growth because most of the times career growth from what I've learned is is what you can learn in a role the problems will be solving and diversifying your experience which doesn't always translate into title bump or a promotion or even like you know, managing more people. I know people who have managed just two people and had more scope and more learning than somebody who managed a team of like six people, right? And so it's it's not always about how soon can I become, go from a senior PM to a group PM to a director to a VP. It's sometimes like going from group PM to group PM to, you know, director back to group PM, like zigzagging your career can be just as fulfilling and rewarding and, and, and also growth in, in terms of what you're learning and the people you're working with and learning from and the problems you're solving and the industries and things like that, which to me is more exciting than necessarily just going from like the vertical line upwards. That's great advice because in the world where everyone's now, I think the professional world and like the Instagram move, like the influencer world where everyone's looking at LinkedIn and your 
your titles and you have a little more fancier title than the others. I think that's kind of what led to a lot of the inflated titles over the last decade, I think. Everyone's a chief of something. But this is great advice where, you know, just searching for those titles isn't going to lead you to, you know, the growth that you're actually thinking about, right? So the objective growth for you is very different from what the title reflects in, in most cases. That's, that's great advice. And we'll make sure to link to your talk in the notes as well for anyone who wants to listen more. And this has been great. Some really good hot takes or counter advice, as some people would say. And it's rooted in logic and um, some really good tips and tricks for you know, folks to think about. How do you think about strategy? I'd love to move to a few rapid fire questions. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. Great. Let's start with the first one, which is the default one. Your last wow moment using a product. I'll say something very niche. I was looking at a retail clothing website. I have, uh, you know, I like to window browse shop. And I was like so impressed because I've, I, I see a lot of retail clothing websites, I'll be honest, and apps. And they're always like super, just not, they're always the same. But this one specifically, what caught my attention, attention was their ability to be personalized while being turnkey at the same time. And what I mean by that is someone like, you know, you look at your size, they, they were, they segmented like their, their actual, like what they were showing their clothes by sizes. So you could see what's available in your size and like the sales section by, and, and, and see like everything. Cause what I used to, what happened was go to the sale and like click on an item and then see unavailable in your size. So like segment it to be like, here's the sizes that we have available, which to me was like, oh, it's a bit personalized. Like this is exactly customly like what I wanted, but it's also like super turnkey for them to do and, and manage their inventory. So they have like maybe a really great inventory management system. I was super impressed by that. Yeah, no, that's actually a good one. As you were talking through it is where I was thinking about this other app that I think ASOS does this where if you if they've seen your pattern in the past where you've bought a bunch of mediums in this brand, if there's a different brand that they pick up, they say for this brand, based on what you've purchased before, I think you should choose a small or something yeah. of that sort, which I, that was pretty interesting too. I, I, it, I love that product. It's like an integration. I forgot what it's called, but yes, I love when they do that. Yeah, sometimes I guess you can do a lot of these small, neat, tricky things, which does give you that wow moment, even on e-commerce sites. And that makes sense. Second question Advice you've most often given to folks when you're mentoring. Yeah. So I think I'll break it down into advice I give people in general now, which is my newsletter and my inspiration is like, you belong here. So it's, you know, with imposter syndrome and just feedback that you get, it's and and certainty. It's super hard to remember, like you are where you are and you got to this place for a reason and and you belong, like no matter where you are and you'll find the place that you belong. It's great advice I need to to give myself to remind myself sometimes too, especially in these difficult times. And I think the second thing, especially with all the layoffs happening and and the job market being a really, really hard place uh, is to take a break, right? Because I know what it's like to look for a role. It's really hard. You can burn out really easily, like getting rejected and, you know, prepping and putting all this effort in for like not is is a lot. It takes its toll. So remember, it's okay to take a break, whether it's like a couple of days or a week, a month or whatever it is. But I think especially in this time, it's not going to be viewed as a, a point against you in the long term. Got it. That's That's really good, sharp advice. Counter to that. What's the most unhelpful advice that you've received? Yeah. So uh, I had a manager once tell me after coming back from maternity leave, and I was like super excited to come back. And 
actually was like want to take on more scope and and want to be like challenged. I'd been in the role for a long time, and they actually said to me, "I think you should take it easy. Maybe buy your scope, and and you know you don't want to stress yourself too much." <laughs> it wasn't the advice I needed, nor wanted, or I don't think it was uh, very acceptable. That was his his attempt at giving me advice that I uh, that made me just want to do the opposite. I wanted more, not less. Yeah. I- I think sometimes people think they're trying to be helpful when they're actually doing the opposite. Even if you didn't say anything, it would have helped. You're saying it kind of the opposite of what you intended. Now, this is this has been great. Shelly, I, I must say, I think you put it in one of your LinkedIn or tweets recently where you, I think you've said, hey, when I go to these product conferences, it's 80% of, of folks who come in are all men. You know, the ones who talk on a bunch of these podcasts or on YouTube are all men. There aren't as many women product leaders out there, and I think there they, they needs to be that. And it's great to listen to you know folks like you talk and and be out there, put you know your posts out, articles out, and more power to you for whatever you're doing. And, and yeah. I hope more people get inspired by what you do and are coming out there and learning and are I guess improving their 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 craft and and how they build products and and are also coming out and sharing what they've learned, yeah. like what you have. And so thank you for everything that you do. For people who want to find you, where can we find you on the internet? I think the best place to reach me is on LinkedIn. I also have a website, shellykalish.com. Uh, but LinkedIn is the best place. And yeah, feel free to also subscribe uh, to my newsletter, You Belong Here. I need to work on creating more content, but it's coming. But yeah, appreciate the, the subscription. That's awesome. And any other, I guess you said you're going to talk at a few conferences coming up. Uh, do you want to maybe call out which ones there are? Yeah, well, yeah, I'll be talking. I'll be hosting a roundtable uh, for senior leaders at the Women in Product Conference, May 9th and May 10th, specifically on uh, May 10th. And I will be doing a lightning talk at the Product Collective Industry Conference on May 4th, which is in uh, New York City. Live awesome. in New York City. So I'm That's awesome. Back. Yeah. That's great. This has been phenomenal. Again, thank you so much for for jumping on this, Shelly. Wishing you the best on all your future endeavors. And, And like I said, keep doing what you're doing. This is awesome. Thank you, Naveen. It's been a pleasure.